You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with three friends from Dual Boot Partners. We have Todd Buelo, Dan Daniel Dela Cruz, and Ben Gilman. And let's talk about Dual Boot Partners. Now, if you have followed the Charlotte Business Journal, American Inno, if you follow really anything, you've probably heard of this company. They've won a lot of awards. Um, they've been focused on by a lot of these different organizations because it's such a unique business that is doing amazing things and represents our city and our community really, really well. So let's talk about it. Now, it is rare to find a business these days without a significant web presence, whether you're in banking, healthcare, uh, you're selling pants, who knows, whatever, you're selling something. You are online, but most websites now, they do more than inform customers about products. They are interactive at multiple levels, meaning that your company either has to have an IT department to keep this up, or you need to hire one. You need to outsource this. And that is where Dual dual Boot Partners comes into play. They have the ability to start small and scale up fast for a company's tech needs. Uh, It's so exciting to have the founding uh, partners here. And let's talk a little bit more about their business, but also their commitment to the community. We're all about community here on the Brand Builders Podcast podcast and it's so unique to see a successful business that also understands its roots and decides to get out there and support the community so thank you and welcome todd daniel and ben to this episode of the brand builders podcast thank you thank you thanks nice to be here indeed thank you all for being here we appreciate you investing the time um i'm on your website and the first thing i see is we build great software Uh, however that could be uh, dot, dot, dot for sure. Tell us more about Dual Boot Partners. What exactly would you say you all do? And, you know, especially if you were describing this to a non-tech person. Yeah, so uh, this, Ben, let me jump in here. Um, yeah, I would start off by saying we build great software. I think the question that you have to ask and or NS answer is basically that means different things to different people. So really what we focus on doing is partnering with our clients to understand the value that software can bring to their business and execute on that delivery. So it might be one thing for an e-commerce store. It might be something different for a SaaS platform. It might be different for someone who has a uh, B2C mobile application. So a lot of what we do upfront in projects and what differentiates us is, is really working with founders, with companies, with um, existing entrepreneurs to understand how we build value inside of their business. And then we execute and deliver on that with software. So we're not stepping in saying like, hey, you know, this, we have a playbook. This is exactly what we do every single time. It's about like getting in, really discovering, understanding the business, and then being able to execute on that in a technical manner. So you guys all have a a very unique background. Tell us a little bit about how this got started and really why. What was the reason behind saying, hey, dual boot partners not only is something that could be successful, but this is something that companies need? Yeah, again, so uh, this this comes from our backgrounds, basically. So Todd and I have worked together on and off in the Charlotte ecosystem for probably close to 15 years. Todd's background is primarily like on the biz dev side. My background is primarily in the engineering and kind of technical leadership on the technology side. Uh, and we, we both kind of ran into the same problems consistently, which is that we could never find enough highly qualified engineering talent to deliver on the ideas we had, on the customers we had, on the products we wanted to build. Um, 
And so over the course of, you know, a decade or a decade and a half, we started exploring these remote relationships. So the talent exists, but it's not always here. Um, and so, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we started looking into remote teams and over, over that period of time, like we have built good relationships in many different places around the world where we, we are able to find good technology talent. And then the challenge is, it's like, okay, once you find the talent, like how do you bring that talent? How do you, how do you connect the talent, right? With the demand. So the demand exists all over, but you know, we're primarily focused in the United States. And so a lot of what we do is, is really like identifying demand inside of the United States and then connecting it with the talent that we have found and curated and built process around in order to make the delivery of that, the technology through that talent pool successful. So if you go onto your website uh, and you go into your services, you know, there's a lot of stuff. And I'll be honest, like I think a lot of business owners, they're becoming way more tech savvy than they ever have in the past. But you still have some old timers out there that I mean, I know there's one guy we work with doesn't even have an email address. You're like, <laughs> right. man, what a life that guy must have. Doesn't even have an email address. You know what I mean? He probably has TikTok. He probably has TikTok. Yeah, he, though, right? he probably has TikTok. <laughs> he probably does. We should check the TikTok. He probably does have TikTok. But what do your ideal clients look like? And I know this could range in multiple different industries, but you know, we have a lot of business leaders and executives that listen to this podcast. And our whole goal is to connect them to not only the businesses, but the things they do in that community. What does that ideal client look like? And, and you know, if someone's listening to this right now, what should they be doing to analyze their business to, to say, you know what, like we need to get in contact with dual boot partners, man. They might be able to help us out. Yeah, so our ideal client is really people who have access to the market they're trying to sell into. So we can build basically anything. We can build Uber, we can build Facebook. The challenge that we have like as a software development company is like we don't have the access to those markets, right? To, to sell into it. So when you're looking to build a business, you need to have like a couple of different components, right? You need to have access to the market, you need to have like operational effectiveness, you need to have a product that has product market fit. Like we can, we could do the operational effectiveness, right? Like all day long, that's pretty much like a playbook and a machine for us. Like this is how we build this stuff. And so when we're looking for people to partner with and clients, we're looking for people who have access to those markets and have a concept that like generates some good level of product market fit. Cause you put those three things together, access to the market, product market fit, and the ability to like execute on an idea, you, you will have a successful company. There's, there's basically no way you can fail if you can do all three of those things. If you see companies or institutions that fail, they're usually missing like one of those three things. So I'd say if you're, if your listeners are out there and they say like, hey, I have access to the real estate market or I have access to the financial market and I have an idea, but I'm not sure how I execute on this or I'm not sure like how do I how do I go find a CTO? How do I find a development team? What how do I like shape my idea to something that can be delivered in a reasonable time frame and budget? Like that's where we step in and that's really our expertise is helping helping folks like that and, and companies. It could be all different sizes. Um, really shape those ideas and figure out how do you get into market and sustain in market um, to, to build a company around technology. Yeah, I, th I think the other thing is that we fit also a void right now. So in the state of North Carolina, currently there's 33,000 open IT positions. And a lot of the companies we'll talk to are like, hey, I want to hire my own team. I've got the money and they can't scale fast enough to hire that team. So we come and help them um, what we call staff acceleration. So yes, you might try to hire your own team eventually, but we're going to help you accelerate that growth 
because as I mentioned, there's 33,000 open IT positions right now. On average, uh, there was a, a tweet recently by that, one of the heads of Accenture that said, software developers um, salaries are increasing by 20 to 30 to 100% per year right now. And we see that within even our clients right now. We recently had a client who lost one of their key developers. The developer got a $100,000 raise. He got 100% benefits for his entire family. And then the, uh, the offer to work only 35 hours a week. So the, the, the competitive nature in our space, especially in the US where there's so much demand, uh, creates a big time need uh, for what Ben mentioned, but also for what we also help out with is with that staff acceleration. Yeah, I would say like just anecdotally speaking, um, like I don't know anyone from my high school, graduate school, undergraduate that has a computer science degree. And right at the same time, it's the most in-demand job in the United States. And so there's a huge, huge, huge talent gap. And the other thing that we're seeing kind of out in the wild is that, you know, people are chasing the money. So they're going to like code academies, like six weeks, like coding program, which is, which is terrific, but they don't have like the in-market experience that you would see from someone that had, you know, lived and breathed this stuff in college, maybe have a master's then did six years of experience. They're coming, going through these code academies, which is what we need to be doing. We need more engineers in the U S but there is just like a, a talent and qualification gap. And this is why we're seeing such like crazy wage inflation. Yeah. And I, and I think one of the cool things, like if you know, Carolina FinTech hub in town, uh, Pasha and Tarek, um, they've got their win program and um, they are doing exactly what Daniel's saying is they're educating people for upward mobility. They've had a hundred people through their program, um, you know, doing these, I think with Tech Talent South um, and they've had separate boot camp. Like the demand is amazing out there, but uh, you still need people that have built commercially available software and that's where we fit in. And then you fill backfill with, you know, when you get to the support, you get to those people that are growing their careers. So yeah. you, go ahead. Uh, well, if so, I'm an owner of a company, right? And and I want to, I want to enhance our technology in the way we go to market. What does that process look like in working with you all? I'm on your website, and it says strategy, design, web development, mobile development. But walking through that process, timeline, and and how you go about doing that, I'd I'd love to know uh, that process. Absolutely, great question. I get into the nuts and bolts here. So um, we have we are a little different than probably what you would consider most kind of remote based uh, development firms and that we have a rather significant like US based presence. But the US based presence is focused almost entirely on strategy and product um, design. So we are coming into the, our clients and basically saying it doing an evaluation and understanding like what the need is and like where do we get the biggest bang for the investment and you know working with the clients to like put together kind of a comprehensive plan about how we add value um and then so so that i would treat that's almost more like what you would see from a management consultant right and and then we also have the execution arm so we say okay this is the plan this is what you should do um in order to you know drive sales or increase revenue or reduce costs or add new product whatever it is you want to do and then we can also do the execution component on it. So we are basically held accountable for the plan that we are developing and coming up with by being on the hook to do all the execution as well. Got it. Yeah, and that's the, the secret sauce is that product product role we have here in the US. These are people that have launched companies from a product side. They've got 12 to 15 years doing it. They can help you shortcut challenges that you may do as you're going to market, especially with entrepreneurs. Um, sometimes, especially startups, they walk in, the door and every day they have a new idea. Our complete goal is to get you to figure out product fit as quickly as possible. 
and find those shortcuts to figure out product fit and not spend a lot of money on building out whatever your dream is. Um, because, uh, you know, Ben, Daniel and I have all been through it. Nine times out of 10, whatever your first product you build is, is not what it's going to eventually, your company is going to eventually be. And you just have to get it in the customer's hands to figure out what that company is going to be and what they're willing to pay for. So we kind of have like two different benchmarks. What I tell people is uh, the first 12 to 18 months, if you can get to 140,000 in revenue, you have something at least that people want to buy. Uh, then you're looking at your next, next benchmark is a million dollars in revenue. That's when you're like, wow, we've really figured out product fit. Um, and that timing is could be anywhere between two to four years, somewhere in that time frame. Um, and so when you get to a million, at least with a, a SaaS company, that's when you're talking about 10x multiples. So a million in revenue is a, you know, a $10 million company. Um, and that's where you start getting a lot of excitement and energy uh, in that space um, from the private equity, uh, private equity world. So I'm always curious, um, you know, with COVID in 2020, it was such a, if you just want to throw it out there, it was, it was a crazy year for everyone, right? But every industry was affected a little bit different. Um, and you look at maybe the way that the human pattern is maybe even just with Americans, as far as, uh, as how they went about their day. And one of the examples I'll say is, you know, people buying groceries, nobody really, I wouldn't say nobody, but let's say what five to 10% of people were getting their groceries delivered. And then these companies just took off, right? And everybody's delivering these groceries and people that never would a million years would have said, I'm not going to go to the grocery store were. And so their buying habits changed. How did 2020 affect the way that you not only work with companies, but also the demand that if they did not have that digital experience, if they did not have that digital presence in 2020, they're probably kicking themselves in the head right now. And they're probably trying to invest in it very quickly if they haven't already. So explain to us, like, what did 2020 do for your business and how were some of those businesses reacting as we went towards an all digital type of mode where everybody was in their home and everything you did was through a computer? Yep. Um, so I think like 2020 in general was, we were pretty well positioned for just by the nature of our business. Like we were working, used to working with remote teams. That means our business, like from an operations perspective was already well set up to do that. From like a sales and marketing perspective, like, you know, we, we, we work very much like with relationships. So like we weren't able to go to the events that we were able to do that we normally would, but at the same time, like a lot of like the no's we might've gotten in the past were because they want, like our clients wanted their engineers sitting in their brick and mortar offices. Like from that perspective, we were real, really able to like open up some new doors that we might not have. Um, I think also what we, we saw out in the wild is like, to your point, like clients were like, we need to figure out, we need to go digital. We need to figure out how do we scale and grow our business. It really like underscored the tech community, like how important it is to be able to, um, have the software to drive your business. Um, so I think from that perspective, people really started reevaluating, you know, what does the future look like? Yep. And I think like you take, uh, I had a call with Novant um, and, and they told, uh, they, they mentioned that their roadmap got accelerated by five years because of COVID, their technology roadmap. Mm -hmm. wow. And that's across the board of any company. Mm -hmm. um, wow. For me on the business development side, it's been interesting. So our business is much, you know, there's, there's, you know, you, you, you read, read, rebuild great software, right? And you're like, well, what does that mean? Everyone says that, right? <laughs> um, and so for us, our relationships were built on trust and it was harder because those trusts that I would build would be face-to-face -face conversations and things like that. 
And so we've had to kind of redevelop and tool our business development to build trust from existing networks or people that we know across the world. However, I'd say that almost helped accelerate a lot of our sales because, you know, before someone would be like, well, I want to meet you in person. I want to have coffee with you. And so, you know, the, the, the 10 steps to get a deal. Now it's like, oh, well, Jimmy said you're a good person. Uh, I'm going to do business with you. So you can kind of accelerate from that. The other thing I'm hoping works out, we'll see, is because we build software and build companies and build products, we get a lot of people reaching out to us. Oh, I've got a great idea. You know, come eat me with coffee. Right. And you go and eat me with coffee and they're like, you know, I want to build the next. Uh, there's this idea of, of putting people in cars and delivering them around the city. Uh, and you're like, have you done any research? Like, have you looked up Uber or Lyft? And you're like, what's, what's that? And you're like, you know, so I think I'm hoping we can create almost like a quasi Zoom environment, like almost like a, a first check, like check up, you know, let's do a Zoom call first and then let's have coffee type approach. I don't know if we'll get to that, but I'm praying that is the case. Cause you know, in Charlotte, you know, yeah, you know, come meet with me. Well, where do you live? I live in Davidson, you know, and that's, you know, hour and a half in the car each way, you know, to, to go hear that, you know, they haven't done any research or anything like that. It can be extremely frustrating from the business development side. Yeah. It's, you know, that's fascinating. I talked with uh, somebody that was in the insurance space and he said that this, that COVID was the best thing that ever happened to him because his clients, they were so used to him coming to see them. Right. And that took so much time. And if he, if he didn't have the time to go see them, then they're like, Oh, what, I'm not a big enough client for you. You know? And then they would start to like shop. Well, now there was no, he wasn't going to see anybody. So he could literally set up these zoom calls back to back to back to back to back to back to back and grew his business like 25 or 30% because, because he, he didn't have that type of you know, pull of like, oh, well, you have to come see me and you have to come see me. So that's a pretty interesting thing. It's kind of like speed dating or like internet dating now where you're like yeah. already finding out everything before you go to that blind date. I don't know if y'all have ever been on a blind date before, but I did when I first moved to Charlotte and it was one of the most awkward situations I've ever been in my life. It was somebody who was like, hey, just this is, she's a great girl. Just go like, go, go. So we did it. And, um, now she's married, has, has kids and stuff. I run into her all the time. It's freaking awkward. But anyways, like, I had no idea what this girl was about. <laughs> I, guess right? like, wife, I guess it's not your wife. It's thing. not my wife. It's not my wife. My wife. Did and I'm talking about blind dating in college. Yeah. Just... Yeah. It is not my wife, but I like, um, I like that, how that, how you approach that. So tell us, you know, with, uh, with dual boot, if you guys go on their about us pages, dualbootpartners.com um, uh, underscore about, you can look at all of the the principles that are that we're talking to right now, Daniel, Todd, and Ben, and you guys have very impressive backgrounds. But one thing that you can definitely see is you guys give back to the community. You guys sit on multiple boards. That seems like something that's very important to you. And we'd love to know. And and you can go individually if you would like. But you know what is what is Dual Boot all about when it comes to the community? What are you guys focused on? And uh, tell us a little bit about those uh, those avenues. Yeah, and I, I can take off, and then Daniel and Ben can join. But I'm I'm a big believer in servant leadership. Um, and I think with what we do and helping entrepreneurs, there's nothing better than having a servant leadership leadership role in that position. Um, a lot of the people that we work with, we may never actually do business with, but I can connect them with people like your company, the Dunstan Group. Like, hey, you need I need I need a T-shirt. Who should I reach out to? Well, the Dunstan Group, or I need a lawyer. Who should I contact? Uh, I need investors, and we built this network up over time that inherently creates servant leadership, which helps people get from point to A to B. Um, that then ducktails into the nonprofit world. So we're big on giving back to STEM education. Um, we do a lot with the Dottie Rose Foundation. 
I don't know if you guys know Dr. Sharon Jones in town. Had her on the podcast. Um, she's doing a lot with upper upper mobility. She was she on? Was yeah, she on? She yeah, was. we've had her. Okay. She's awesome. Yeah, she is. Yeah, awesome. so she she does a lot with upper mobility, but also encouraging kids at a young age to uh, to fall in love with STEM, which is ironic because you know you think of our business model right now, right? We've got we've got we do have a presence in the U.S. We've got delivery centers in, in overseas. And they're like, well, why are you trying to promote STEM education? It's like, because there's such a need right now. There's 33,000 positions here in the state of North Carolina. We talk about upward mobility like crazy here in the, in the city of Charlotte. And yet we're not teaching technology. Um, even my kids, you know, the teenagers, it frustrates the heck out of me. I'm like, why are we not doing things like digital marketing in school that these kids have jobs right away? Um, you know, and it's the classic, well, if we do it at your, this one school, you know, the CMS approach is, well, if we do it at this one school, we have to do it at all schools and we can't scale fast enough. It just drives me bananas. So anyways, you're getting me on a soapbox. On that no, that, that's a good point. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? But it's, 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 we've become this, this thing of inclusive inclusivity, which is great, but at some point someone's got to be the Guinea pig, right. To try something out, to see if it works and then roll it out. But in the public school system, I experienced it firsthand. They want it, it, it's all or none, right? Instead of, you know, that's kind of frustrating, which then puts it into the private school, right? And the private school side, then it, you just create a, create a bigger diversity gap then, right? So the kids that have the money are getting this opportunity and the kids that don't are not. So uh, we could talk about that a whole nother session. Yeah, um, but but the, other, the other thing that we've done, which uh, Daniel and Ben have been amazing at um, is that what when we created this company, what I hated was going to happy hours. Like I felt like I go to a happy hour. One, it would take away time from my kids. Uh, two, it was typically, you know, not always a great environment. A lot of people are drinking. Things were happening. Um, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I drink and everything like that. But what we did is like, let's try to find nonprofits in the Charlotte community where we can serve, introduce people, and then also use as a networking event. So one of the things we were doing pre-COVID, um, if you guys are familiar with the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Um, yeah. Daniel and Ben, I mean, Daniel and I both s s served on the board there. It's a drug and alcohol rehabilitation facility, 100 day pro 120 day program. They have men and women living there for um, 120 days, it's uh, 24 by seven, and they serve lunch, dinner, uh, lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can go down there and serve as a volunteer. So we would take a group of 30 down, serve lunch there. Um, give back and we bring prospects and customers. And then right, right next door is something called community matters cafe. Love that so place. Community matters cafe are people that are graduating from the rescue mission, <clears throat> learning job skills. So we would serve, uh, at the rescue mission and go next door. And then we would be served by the people we had just served. And so that networking ability was amazing. So the first time we did this, typically if I did like a happy hour, I'd have to invite 200 people, 30 people would show up. The first time we did this, we had 30 slots. I invited 40 people, 30 people showed up. And the next time we had 50 people that wanted to come. I didn't invite anyone and we had to pare it down to 30. And then I had to give a speech at the end of it and then COVID happened, so we killed it. But I had to give a speech like, if you don't get back invited back to this, it's not that we don't like you. <laughs> it's <laughs> we want to expose people to the rescue mission and get more of that kind of that servant leadership thing. And hopefully you'll find your cause in the nonprofit. So. We've been able to ingrain kind of that service leadership into our business practices and not throw it in people's face, faces. And, and it's been a, it was a, it's been a great model because people want to give back. They just want to be easy, right? They're busy lives. So if you can plan for something, I'm giving back. I can tell my boss I'm here. It, 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 and then we get business done at the same time. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful model. So 
that's my soapbox story. We kind of went on a lot of different things on the servant leadership yeah. side, but that's, that's great. What I'm big into, um, and Daniel and Ben have been great, great at that as well. Yeah, I just piggyback like like reinvesting in like the communities in which we operate. And that, like Todd said, that looks like in, in a couple of different ways, whether it's sitting on boards, whether it's sponsoring events, like you were saying at the rescue mission, or you know, making donations to um, you know, to nonprofits in, in our communities, Dottie Rose, Haven, bounce out the stigma, things like that. Um, that's something that we're really, really passionate about. And we want to make sure like our business as we grow, like continues to like reinvest in the communities in which we operate. Love it. So I want to yeah, say, and I just, yeah, on, on the third there, I, I would agree, like the reinvestment, because none of us and almost nobody starts these starts this on their own, right? Whether it's like learning to code in, in high school or, you know, getting introduced to an entrepreneur or having a mentor, like nobody starts this on their own. And it's really difficult to do this without help. So anything we can do to kind of help there, we're happy to do. Definitely. Love it. What would you say you guys like currently, and, and I don't want to pigeonhole you into one single project, but I'm curious, like, is there a project that you're most proud of that you all have created for a business or a nonprofit or, or whomever? Can we say, can we say dual boot? Is that? Uh... <laughs> you did, definitely. Absolutely. Well, it's us. Uh, yeah. That's going to be the well, first I, one. I see some <laughs> really cool brands like on your podcast, like Mountain Khakis and Pet Screening and TFX Capital, they've all given you great shout outs and testimonials there. Um, so it seems like you work with some big brands and, and some small brands that people may have never heard of yet either. And uh, so I was Yeah, we're doing some cool hi-hos, a really cool product we're doing. Um, if you guys know who Tim Ferriss is, the four-hour work week, he's behind that. Nice. Um, but the cool, I think the coolest thing about Charlotte, because we do projects all across the country, mm -hmm. the one thing about Charlotte is the welcoming that people have here like if you want to get plugged in you can get plugged in um nothing against other cities like but i've done work up in boston it's hard to get plugged into those places because people have lived in boston all of their lives with charlotte people haven't they they they, they know what it's like to move to a city and not know anyone and someone to ben's point help them out right yeah. and so that's what i think is really cool about the things that happen in charlotte um and we we work with some like i said uh, some great entrepreneurs here, but it really is the community that helps and supports them, whether Ecos, Pazer, uh, Debt Book is a great example um, of someone that, um, you know, had industry domain knowledge, uh, ha did not have a technical background, partnered with us, but then we worked together and he's worked the network, Tyler, Tyler Trout and Eric Pelletier will work the network amazingly. Uh, Eric, for example, just moved, I think, from Boston maybe four years ago to Charlotte, like didn't know anyone. And now they're building one of the hottest growing companies here in Charlotte. But it's because the Charlotte community has invested in them, knew what they had, and, and now they're growing They're growing very rapidly. Ben, Daniel, I don't know if you guys have any. Yeah, I mean, I would, to some degree, I probably would double down a little bit on like the Dolby side of things too. Because I think what we're doing is pretty interesting and like we're creating a lot of jobs. Like we're creating like very meaningful employment for the people, like our team members that are working in our remote offices. And we're creating like really like meaning and interesting employment for our US team members. But we're also, if we are successful at what we're doing, and I think what Ben was saying earlier is like, we build businesses first, software second. So when we go in and we partner with our clients, if we're successful in making them successful, the trickle down effect of like how many jobs we're creating with our clients, we're not, certainly not doing it alone. And all the people that they're employing and hiring in, in, on these fast growing tech companies, I think is a really like interesting, you know, um, butterfly effect to some degree. 
Yeah, I'm hoping this. I think the city of Charlotte is finally catching on to that because I think in the past they would be like, we're going to put money into Duke Energy, to Bank of America, because they can write the hundred thousand dollar check right right today. You know, Avid Exchange ten years ago couldn't write the hundred thousand dollar check right, but now they can write the million dollar check, mm-hmm. and it takes time. And I think there's been people like um, Dan Roselli, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, even Tarek. Um, there's been people that have laid the groundwork ten years ago. Um, uh, Dave Jones at Peak 10, um, you know, Doug Lebda that laid the groundwork 10 to 20 years ago that you're now starting to see all these companies coming out of the, of, out of, out of that. So you even got like, so from my, for example, I came from a, um, company called, uh, IXL, um, which originally was started by Steve Emidio, Mac Lackey and Ross Salarini. You take those three people and then some other people like, uh, Patrick Tian, Doug Lebda, you'd be surprised about how many people have come out through that and now starting companies within Charlotte and creating, to Daniel's point, jobs out of that. And that's what, for us, we're solving that need of, if you want to start a tech company here in Charlotte, come to us, we'll get the product fit, we'll get you growing. You're going to hire people. You're going to have to find people from out of the state to come here. And then eventually you're going to build up that company and grow it from there. Uh, so yeah, we, we, we become a big uh, kind of builder of those jobs, the jobs within the, the community. Yeah, I mean, it just it, it highlights you guys as being a connector, right? It doesn't necessarily matter if it's something that Dual Boot does specifically. If it's not, then you know somebody because you've had that opportunity to be connected. I feel the same way. I've been in Charlotte 11 years. I grew up in Atlanta. I say it all the time. Like, I never felt like I felt like a number in Atlanta. I never felt like I could make a difference. I never felt like I could truly connect. Whereas Charlotte's the complete opposite. Like everybody gets an opportunity. You can be the smallest company and have an opportunity to sit at the biggest table in Charlotte just by having connections with the right people that, that, and it's just by being out there and being involved in your community. I want to shift something really quick and Todd, I want to bring this up and I, and I, and I ask a lot of entrepreneurs, this me being a father of two young ones, and it's about getting your kids involved um, in the nonprofit sector, getting them involved and giving back at such a young age. And you and your wife, Michelle, have done an amazing job. We were lucky enough to have your daughter, Riley, on this podcast. She was the youngest member to uh, our youngest person to come on our podcast. She actually created her own charity called Laps for Love that has raised somewhere over like $150,000. And I might be even undercutting that for the Charlotte Rescue Mission. And she is, is a teenager. Um, tell us a little bit about how proud you are of not only what she's done, but the importance for parents to get their kids involved in giving back at a young age. And I think Charlotte is an amazing city where if you start young, you're going to give your kids the foundation to not only be successful uh, in whatever business or whatever they want to go from that route, but also create the foundation for a community that gives back from generation to generation. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think, I think for us just personally, um, you know, we live in a different world now where there's so much media, there's so much, so many things happening on my kids, unfortunately, have been around um, a brother in law who passed away from a drug and alcohol addiction. My dad was an alcoholic died of cirrhosis. So they've seen firsthand struggles that people go through. My wife and I are big at like, hey, yes, we've had some struggles in our lives. Yes, we dealt with things of alcohol addiction, mental health, you can either sit there and worry and, and, and swallow and, and, and just, you know, be uncomfortable and say, oh, this, my life sucks, or you can try to change it. My wife and I approached it like, let's introduce our children to like, yes, this is terrible. It happened. Why did it happen? What can we do to change it? And that's why I'm proud of like Riley. So Riley, um, Riley's friend, Grace Daniel, actually 
uh, was our neighbor, started Laps for Love. Riley came on shorter after, but Riley had a passion for it because of her brother-in-law who passed away from drugs and alcohol, and she didn't want any family to go through that again. Um, and so when Riley and Grace teamed up, you know, Grace wanted to end homelessness in Charlotte. Riley had a passion with drugs and alcohol. The two of them together, you know, with the Charlotte restaurant, ended up starting Laps for Love. And I tell people that a lot, like we've been like, I mean, we've had suicide in the last year and a half in our family. We've had mental health issues and food insecurity things that are happening. And so I'm big on, on being a different maker. Um, you know, my wife right now is actually in uh, Indiana right now at Vera Bradley. Vera Bradley's starting a store chain with that is going to have companies that give back. Bella Tuno happens to be one of them. Um, and she ran into um, a 17 and 19 year old kid that started a company called the happiness project. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of them before. Uh, but what happened was there was a 17 year old kid, his friend ended up committing suicide when they're in high school and they went back to high school. They had a service for him and everything. And then he's like, and then everyone went on with life. No one went and dressed like, why did this happen? So he's like, I'm going to change this. Mental health is an issue. I'm going to change. It. So he ended up starting the happiness project selling these you know merchandise and giving back and it's an amazing program and that's what i think we need to do like i think we're even seeing that with a lot of the stuff that's happening with black lives matters people are just fed up like okay we can sit here and put on media and all this stuff that is changing but what are we going to do to be the change so my wife and i take the approach that let's show let's show our kids people that are making impact surround them with people that are making impact but then let them choose what's the thing that that's driving their passion their purpose and let them figure it out with it like I said, for my wife and I, you know, our passion and purpose personally is mental health and drug and alcohol addiction. That's because we've had two personal things that have happened to us. My brother-in-law passing away from drug and alcohol addiction, my dad, again, struggling with it. And then we had, like I said, a suicide mental health issue happening within our family as well. So like, I personally live that. And I said, I don't want anyone else doing that. The third thing that we're passionate around is CPR. Uh, happened to be at a pool party four or five years ago kid almost drowned with in a pool we ended up doing I ended up doing CPR bringing him back to life and it was a moment in my life where I saw a miracle happen but I also saw a pool party 50 people around you hear about it all the time right water safety but how people react so there were 50 people at the, the party 10 of us went to help 10 of us who knew CPR ran the other way because they were scared to death 10 people just sat there so I was like well if we all know CPR then one of us is going to help, right? And so think, there's things you can do in life that are just such small steps to give back and create purpose that you never know when you're going to be called on to do. Um, I don't know if I answered your question there, but that's wow. that's kind of my, wow. my driver and my motivator on, yeah. on a lot of that stuff. That's fantastic. Um, I made Thank you. A personal thing. So Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's perfect. It's and fantastic. we've had over 50 nonprofits on this podcast. And the one thing I'll, I'll, I'll challenge everybody in, in the Charlotte area, find something that you're passionate about right? There's going to be a nonprofit or a charity or some type of group that you can be a part of that you can feel that connection. It doesn't have to be the same thing that Todd's passionate about. It doesn't have to be the same thing that Daniel or Ben are, but find it because they're out there and there are amazing charities and amazing organizations that you can make a difference and get your kids involved in that. Uh, and thank you so much for telling, telling that story. I think it's really powerful. And, and I'm happy. Have them reach out to me. I'm happy. I'm part of a Speedway Children's Charity, um, which we, we granted last year uh, over a million dollars to nonprofit programs in Charlotte. Um, so we, I know a lot of the programs. So if you say, hey, Todd, I'm looking for someone with cancer or something with mental health or something. I can pretty much probably connect them. So I'm happy to do that. And I'm, I'm a big fan of doing that. So please have them reach out to me on that front. Wow. 
Ben and Daniel, I don't know if you guys have anything to add on that. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. It's tough to follow you on the nonprofit podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but it's really cool. So to jump back in before we, we let you guys go, um, you know, really powerful, you know, conversation, really do appreciate you guys opening up about that. Uh, but let's get back into the business side of things quickly. Business owners, uh, people are listening to this. What is the best way for them to get in touch with dual boot partners? What is the best way for them to learn more? And if they are interested in working with you, what's the best way to contact you? Daniel, you want to, you want to take that one? Yeah, so I mean, our website's dualboot.com, D-U-A-L-B-O-O-T.com. Um, I think in general, like it's a, it starts with a conversation. Like, you know, we, we don't sell software, we sell trust. There's other companies that do what we do. We win, we, when we win, we win on relationships and we win, win in building like trust and credibility with our partners. That starts with conversations and relationships. So like for us, like I think step number one is like, let's start talking. I don't know, Todd, if you see things differently. No, I think that's it. Um, and actually, Brian, I want to give you a shout out because I think you you saw you you get what kind of what a lot of people don't get. Um, so at the beginning of COVID, you sent me fifteen hats just randomly. Like I, you know, I think we'd met one or two, once or twice before that. And now, you know, Daniel's wearing one of your hats right now. Looks great. Like you took you you, <laughs> I you thought I'd recognize that hat. <laughs> yeah. So so like, but you took you you know it's. There's so many people out there that think their product is what wins. It's not what wins. And that's what we constantly are educating entrepreneurs out. The product, yes, it has to work and all that stuff, right? But it's the sales and marketing and networking and the trusted approach. That's what wins business. And that's and I learned that in a hard way of the first startup I start we, we helped start here in Charlotte. It's a company called eLogix. We had an amazing product. We sold it. And I got to see the companies we were we were losing to. We had such a better product. No one knew about us though, right? Whereas Brian, you took like, you know, how many other, you know, people are doing what you're doing, probably in the city of Charlotte, I don't even know, but you took a risk, you said, you know, what? we've got great quality products, I want to build a relationship with Todd, I'm going to go out and send him 10 hats, you know, eight of them look like, you know, something that we weren't big fans of, but two were like, oh my gosh, these are awesome. And now we have these amazing hats that we keep ordering from you. Like 3,000 hats later. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, we, we built it, but we built a great relationship right now, right? right? And you're a trusted advisor to us and, and, and you're doing exactly what we try to do to others, right? You know, And so kudos to you for learning that, that piece of it. And that's what we try to be for our customers as well. We want to be that trusted advisor. We want, we want you to not feel like we're trying to sell you something constantly. We want you to feel like that servant leadership, even if we don't come out and say it, that we're here really to support you and help your business grow and be successful. And that may or may not include us in your, in your roadmap. And that's okay. That's okay. Well, thank you. I, I wow. speechless yeah. for what you just said. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm also going to tell you that uh, if you start seeing the Dunstan group say, we don't sell promo, we sell trust. I apologize. Cause I'm going <laughs> to have to steal that one. That was, true, uh, that's perfect though. And that's how yeah. we, that's how we, very similar we work our entire business. And I've never had anybody actually say it as simple as that. We don't sell software. We sell trust. And, um, and that's, that's amazing. Well, you guys, it's been great to follow the journey. I know you came up just short in the March madness, top tech company. Uh, I think you got all the way to the finals. Congratulations yeah, on making that. 34% of the companies in there were dual boot customers. The fi seven out of the final eight and fi of the final four, they were all dual boot. Dual oh, boot see, so ah, there you it go. was and a family winner, winner, winner. customer. So we're, we're happy. We're, we're yes. okay with that. We're no, boardroom, that. boardroom Insiders who beat us was one of our first customers at uh, dual boot. So we, we owe them a lot yeah. for, for believing in us. So that's, that we call that the trifecta, that's the right. win, win, win. That's right. Yes. <laughs> well, awesome. Everybody's winning. 
Well, Todd, uh, Daniel, Ben, thank you guys so much for for listening. Um, like I always say, if you're listening, you know, like, share, comment, go check them out. They're an awesome organization. Uh, whether you want to learn about the company, uh, whether you want to get in touch with Todd to learn more about what you can do from a nonprofit standpoint, amazing company. Check them out. Follow them on LinkedIn. They're always doing you know amazing things and and things that are unique and different. And uh, we're just so glad to have you guys on this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.